You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. I'm excited to uh, find out what I can help you with. What's going on? Yeah, so I am a fairly non-traditional applicant, um, and and I feel like my stats are somewhat competitive for a lot of MD schools. Um, however, I think more important than the specific number for my GPA, which is okay but not great, is the trend. And I have a downward trend, mm. um, which is you know somewhat lethal in some schools. I know, <laughs> uh, and and so. I feel as if I have a good explanation for the downward trend. Um, I feel as if I'm able to tell my story and, and kind of explain that. But one thing I'm worried about is potentially coming off as if I'm making excuses rather yeah. than explaining the yeah. downward trend. So first, let's define what your downward trend is, because we I get a lot of students who are like, three nine students and then they drop to a three seven they're like oh my gosh i have a downward trend i'm like that's not a problem right so so what is your gpa just kind of overall sure yeah my my cumulative gpa is 3.40 okay so not spectacular not terrible what's your science gpa 3.35 okay so right around the same range and then what was the trend looking like and where has it gone? So it's, it's, I think, exacerbated even by the fact that I spent my first two years at a community college. Um, okay. So I, my, I wouldn't my worry first, about that part. Yeah, well, okay. Sounds good. So <laughs> my, my worry, of course, is just that if they see I did well at community college and not so well at university, there yep. might be some questions raised. Yep. But the freshman year GPA was about a 3.8. Uh, okay. Sophomore year, about 3.6. Okay. Uh, Junior year, again, about 3.6, 3.7. And then senior year, 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. So that senior year is going to sting you a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. What happened senior year? So I am about five years out from college. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not decide on medicine until about a year after having graduated college. Okay. So I didn't really know what I was doing in college. Um, I knew that I wanted to do a lot of stuff, but it didn't. There wasn't a lot of intention behind it, yep. um, so there wasn't a lot of focus or motivation. So I started out kind of just vaguely wanting to major in chemistry, biochemistry, just because that's what I did well in in high school. And then I was really inspired around my junior year uh, by physics. You know, I really got into. Neil deGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan's Cosmos series just got super into physics. So yep. I decided to add a physics major. Um, and, and I didn't decide that until my junior year of college. So I essentially did the entire physics program, a four years uh, comprehensive program in, in just two years, concurrently with my upper level biochem major. Okay. Uh, so I ended up made double majoring in physics and biochem. Um, a lot of my poorer grades are from quarters where I was taking... At the same time, I was taking quantum mechanics, electromagnetism, modern <laughs> physics lab, genome sciences, yeah. you know. So you tried was, to become a rocket scientist in like a semester. <laughs> essentially, yeah. yeah. Not not the most well thought out decision. Okay. Um, and then, of course, at the same time, I was doing undergraduate research and I was also working about 30 hours a week okay. to support myself. Got it. So obviously, the thing that broke was your your GPA. Um, your, yeah. your grades and your courses. So 
the question is, and and that's that's kind of your explanation, and you're worried that it's going to come across as an excuse. And really, at the end of the day, it's a super common story of students just taking on too much and then falling behind in courses. And and for you, it sounds like you weren't pre med at this time. You you didn't want to be a doctor. You didn't know you wanted to go to medical school. It wasn't until after. And so, for you specifically, um post-back work is likely going to be uh, what you're going to need to to kind of just reverse that trend and get a get a nice little you going. So um, your your final stats aren't going to be great, right? The the three four three three five with as many credits as it sounds like you have, you're not going to budge those numbers a ton, but you'll be able to reverse kind of what that graph looks like in terms of starting off well, coming down, 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 and then post back work coming back up, going, look, I just I I was overwhelmed. And and even looking at your your credits, it sounds like you're gonna have a just a, a crap ton of credits your senior year. Um, that to any normal person will look at that and go, well, of course you didn't do that great. You had all these credits. And then when I look at your activity list, I also see that you're working 30 hours a week and all of this other stuff. So um, it, it's it's one of those things where you're likely not going to have a, a chance to explain it unless you reverse the trend. And and that's going to take some post-back work to do that. Got it. Okay. Um, thank you for the feedback. And, and that's something I've gone back and forth on a couple of times. I did apply two years ago um, and unsuccessfully did not receive an interview invite. Um, and, and so I, what applied I did- Applied to postbacs or to medical school? To medical schools. Okay. And after having done that, I applied about 30. And every school that did not explicitly say in their rejection email that they do not provide feedback, mm-hmm. I asked for feedback. Yeah. And, you know, I talked, I got some very conflicting feedback from yeah. the admissions committee members that I spoke with. Um, yeah. So, for and example. So, so just to clarify for just people watching, I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word conflicting feedback. It's just different feedback because every medical school looks at things differently. Right. So to you, it's like, well, what do I do? And to them, they're like, well, this is just what we focus on. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense and, and good clarification. Do, I mean, is it okay if I name the schools from, yeah. from which I got that's, the feedback? Yeah. So for you. example, yeah. you know, Dartmouth was like, your academics are not a problem. You're totally fine. You've shown competency. Um, and I think part of that was my MCAT score. Okay. Uh, maybe I, I know that you repeatedly harp on, you know, it doesn't save a GPA. It's just one additional part of the application. Yep. Um, but Dartmouth specifically was like, you know, we don't have any concerns there. Uh, Case Western, on the other hand, was like, we very much would like to see some additional coursework. Yep. So uh, it is unfortunately school specific, and it's maybe hard to know what each school will think before yep. having the chance to apply to them, of course, and exactly. getting that feedback. Um, but but you you think a, a postback is is recommended? I would, right? Just yeah. just in the broadest strokes. And that's why I don't get super specific. And well, this one school wants this and this other school wants this. I talk very generically, right? Of, of to put the best application out there possible, you specifically, I would recommend post-bac work to reverse that trend. Because okay. the last thing a school wants to, to be concerned about is your level of commitment to doing well in medical school. You started off great, and and yes, in terms of of community college for you, there is that concern of community college where you did well, and then you got to what many perceive as harder courses, 
at a four-year university and then you struggled. Medical school is just going to add another level of complexity onto that. And are, are you going to struggle more? And so nobody wants to, to cross the finish line stumbling and falling down, which is what you've done in terms of just your GPA. And so Case Western, I think appropriately, is like, hey, like, I'm concerned that you're just going to be laying flat on the, on the ground when you get here and you're not going to want to do all of the hard work necessary to continue or to, to pass medical school, regardless of, of crushing the MCAT, right? Great. You can do well on standardized tests. There's still a lot more work that goes into medical school than just doing well on standardized tests. Um, so that's, that's the concern, I would say, across the board. Um, and yeah, so random schools like Dartmouth apparently don't care. Did they interview you? No, yeah, they did not. <laughs> yeah. So, so to me, I would take that recommendation with a grain of salt of like your academics are an issue. Well, if they're an issue, invite me for an interview. Uh, obviously the application is much broader than that, right? Stats again are just one part of it. You have all of your experiences and everything else and how you talk about those things as, as another part. So from a, from an extracurricular standpoint, what kind of things have you been doing to, to get into the, the med school mind? Yeah, well, of course there was my full-time work in, in college, which is, I think a big part like what defined my college experience mm -hmm. um, and, and is what originally drove me into medicine, I think, just because I was working at restaurants full time. Um, but one of these restaurants actually had a huge emphasis on community service to the point where they were offering free meals to anybody that needed one. Um, and, and this was in a really um, low income neighborhood specifically. So a huge portion of our clientele were, um, you know, people of low income. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them were houseless or unhoused. And, and so, you know, being in that environment and having the opportunity to serve those people was what really originally drove me to pursue a service-oriented profession. Um, but then, you know, since then, of course, I needed the clinical experience. So I, I started shadowing and I um, volunteered, um, but I volunteered in a child life capacity, which I think is great. But as I've come to realize, it's, it's really not sufficient by itself. Yeah. Um, and, I and I don't understand that. Right. It's I love child life. I, I have a I have a child that unfortunately has procedures in the hospital every couple months and, and we interact with child life all the time. So as a parent. Right. I love child life. And I think what child life people do is is a thousand percent great clinical experience. But then you can talk to admissions committees and they're like, oh, child life is just, it's just playtime with kids. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, you ignorant buffoon. Like, go go actually into the hospital and see what it's all about. But anyway, that's just my personal take. Yeah, I mean, I felt as if it gave me some really great perspective and I had the opportunity to develop some really meaningful relationships, not only with children, but also their families. Um, yeah. But say la vie. Yeah. So I, I, uh, you know, on top of that, I, I didn't have a ton of clinical experience. And mm -hmm. so that's where I was at when I applied last time. And I think yeah. that was a big weakness in my application. Yeah. And, and since, you know, right after I got rejected is when COVID started, mm -hmm. which made it a little bit difficult to address that weakness. Um, and, and so I have been working, I, my job title is team coordinator at a cancer hospital. Yeah. And uh, in that capacity, I'm able to work very closely with physicians, um, you know, meet with them every week, go over the care plans for each individual patient. Uh, I get to interact the, with the patients and develop these really, I think, cool long-term relationships with them, mm. um, which has been a great experience. Um, and, yeah. and being able to witness the patient doctor 
interaction has has also been a really cool thing. So yeah. it's it's really only I, I think affirmed my decision. Um, it's just you know hoping to frame that and and also this worry about whether or not it will it will be sufficient right without the pushback. Yeah, and I think. Um the the key asterisks on there is without the post back. So right. my assumption is that you're in the middle of another application cycle now. Yeah, full disclosure, of course. <laughs> I, I I I have submitted my primary yeah. and I am uh, imminently going to submit my secondaries. Okay. It, it's early August. Okay. Fingers crossed. Um my my gut tells me not the best move, but yeah. It's it's only time and money at the end of the day. So uh, in in the interim, I would also go sign up for some more classes and and see if potentially even maybe updating the schools to say, hey, I'm also taking some more classes uh, may maybe a spark enough for them to go. Well, let's let's continue to talk to you and and hopefully see how you do in in these new new courses as well. Um, but I, I think it sounds like the position that you have now is is really interesting, uh, where you you are interacting with patients, you're talking about clinical things with them and what to do. Um, it sounds potentially like it's mostly, um, uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but more telemedicine based. Is it is it directly interacting with them as they're in the clinic, uh, or yeah, is it through so phone calls and stuff? Uh, it, it's mostly through phone calls, although um, we operate on kind of a rotational basis. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm every couple of weeks in the clinic and interacting with the patients and, and saying, you know, he, uh, a lot of it is like scheduling their appointments, but a lot of it is also just making sure that they understand what they need to do for appointments. So for example, any restrictions prior to imaging or mm -hmm. uh, prior to any sort of procedure that they're having. Um, you know, so being able to actually speak with them in person, meet them in person has been one yeah. of the more rewarding parts of the job for yeah. sure. Yeah. My, my fear with that position is, is you have your child life, which a lot of people goes, oh, that's just playtime. This other position potentially sounds a little bit more admin based and not necessarily clinical based. And so you may get the same kind of issues. Although COVID, compared to the last last cycle, COVID may potentially be a silver lining to well to, to say, well, there, there really wasn't a lot I could potentially do in this in this time period. Um, but but my gut again tells me number one grades, and then number two, again a little bit of that lack of direct patient care, quote unquote, taking care of patients. Um, to to give you that experience, and it it's when I say that it's not to check off a box for the medical schools, but it's to be able to reflect upon the right experiences so that your personal statement makes sense. And when you answer, why do you want to be a doctor? That makes sense. And when you reflect in your activity descriptions, those all make sense about like, I understand who you are and why you're doing this, especially given the path that you have being a non-traditional and coming to this world a little bit later. And, and I would say that your whole kind of journey of working in the restaurant industry and, and having this service-oriented mindset kind of um, uh, imprinted into you, whether you had it before, but just, just grown through the restaurant industry, I would say that's even more of a potential question mark because to me, there's no direct line between 
I want to do something in the service industry. Oh, I want, I'm going to be a doctor. Because being a doctor, yes, is is service, but there are a thousand other things out there. And it's just this random like connection that you made of like, I wanted to give back, therefore I want to be a doctor. And that's, to me, that doesn't make sense. And and that's where you're you're going to have a harder time, especially given the lack of true clinical experience potentially to to draw those conclusions for the medical schools. Yeah. And that's great feedback. And I mean, that's definitely something I'm going to have to address at some point. So it, it's great to hear it from, from you yeah. specifically. Yeah. And so potentially, hopefully you never have to write another personal statement, but uh, if you need to write another personal statement, working with someone to actually craft that story. Um, but Hope, hopefully, again, hopefully you get some interviews, really making sure that you're doing mock interviews to hone that story a little bit more to, to draw yeah. those connections better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, without getting too terribly into it, but uh, a big focus on my um, personal statement and my motivation for medicine is specifically this opportunity to be a resource for people, to provide a resource to people. So, you know, one thing that really struck me throughout my entire time just doing what I've been doing is how is just how one thing affects another, right? The intersection between somebody's access to healthcare and somebody's access to food, to transportation, how one, you know, it's all interrelated. And I've really found that healthcare is one of the most foundational aspects of, of somebody's well-being and, and how they're able to uh, just thrive as a person. Mm. And so just being able to provide what I feel is, is, a really foundational resource is is kind of at the center of my motivation to pursue medicine. Yeah, if that makes sense, it does. Uh, for me personally, when I when I read a story like that, I'll say you don't you don't know what being a doctor is all about. Sure. <laughs> so, which and, is fair, of yeah, course. And that's that's where the exposure hopefully is is there. Uh, when I look at activities and maybe you just didn't, you didn't talk about it well enough in your personal statement. And then I'll go to your look at your activities and go, okay, you have plenty of experiences. Let's, let's invite you for an interview and, and hash through this a little bit more. Yeah. Because the biggest fear for, for medical schools, number one is, is that you're not academically capable, right? Cause you need to pass medical school. Right. But number two, that you don't really know what it's like to be a doctor and or truly want to be a doctor. You just have this theoretical, I want to give back kumbaya and medicine is what I want to do. And then you get out into residency and out into your clinical rotations in third and fourth year. And you're like, oh crap, this is miserable. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. And it's certainly not a situation I would want to be in <laughs> as the person doing it. So yeah. I mean, it's obviously I'd be doing myself a disservice not to not to really, you know, be completely sure of what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, well, briefly, just assuming that I am able to express myself maybe a little bit more eloquently or effectively than I have. Um and I'm able to get an interview um, and go ahead with submitting this this cycle. One thing that's currently holding me up is an old letter of recommendation. And I don't know if this is something that I should allow to hold me up. Um, so I have about six letters of recommendation at this point. Okay. About three of them are from the previous cycle. And I've had two of them redated for the okay. current year um, at the recommendation of several schools. And one of the schools, one of my state schools specifically requires uh, letters dated for the current year. Yep. Uh, one of the professors, I am really just not able to hone in on and, and get them to redate the letter. Um, 
And I, I assume I'll be able to eventually, hopefully within a week or two. Mm. Uh, but I, I can't be sure of it. Um, do you do you feel as if I should just go ahead and submit my application with an old letter, or should I wait a couple of weeks and in the hopes of being able to submit it with all current letters? When you say submit your application, what part of the application are you talking about? The secondary. So so the whole thing. Yeah. So the secondary application, I wouldn't sit on um, because the the dilemma is, especially if you've already been requested to write the secondary, right? The school has said, hey, thanks for applying to our school. Here's your secondary application. If you're just sitting on it, waiting for this potential letter of recommendation, then the concern is going to be, well, you're just not interested in our school because it took you a month and a half to fill out our secondary. To to be totally clear, I've uh, been verified. I submitted to one school. And so I'll be submitting the primaries just to all the schools and assigning these letters as soon as I have them finalized. Got it. Yeah. Um, So I I would potentially wait um, in that case, right? If you haven't added the schools to the list yet, uh, especially for schools that kind of quote unquote require um, or highly recommend that the letters be dated the same year, I would give it another week or two. Okay, great. Um, well, well, I think that's probably all the questions I have time for, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down with me. Yeah, no problem. Fingers crossed. Good luck to you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. Don't forget to check out our amazing Facebook group, The Hangout, at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. 